Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. This morning, Oasis Baptist Church's mission statement or our goal is to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. The mission of the church as a whole, according to God's word, if we were to go to any of the great commission passages of scripture, I pulled out just one of them, but to go and to teach or disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Our goal, our strive and the things that we're striving for and to to try to encourage our church and the things that we're trying to to put into your laps and to to help you in your Christian walk is that you as a individual as a believer in Christ would would fall more deeply in love with Christ and become passionate about him and as with everything that we do in life whether you take it with church or you take it to somewhere else When we become passionate about something, it is natural for us to share in that passion with other people. We can easily go to a number of different things right now. It's fall, and if you don't care, many in this room do. Football season started, and my Buckeyes are undefeated. Amen? You know, the saddest thing about this whole thing is you have a pastor that loves sports and like 90% of my congregation doesn't even know what a football is. It's like the, it's really devastating at times. But anyway, um, anyway, we, uh, I don't even know where and who that's, um, so regardless, passion, when we're passionate, we share. And the goal of, of ours, one of our mission at Oasis, is that we would be passionate about Christ. And in our striving, in our passion for Him, that we would share that. And as we share that, they would naturally, those that we share that with, would become more passionate or find Christ to become passionate about. And that's, that's part of our goal. And as, we, as we've gone over the last, really, I, I said it kind of earlier, is it was about four years ago that... You as a church voted me to become the pastor here at Oasis. My job position changed. As the resignation came, I went from being a a worship leader and doing other administrative things and doing different pastoral duties in this church to leading this church. There's been lots of transition over the course of the last three and a half to four years at Oasis Baptist Church. God has been amazing. We've seen growth in different areas. I, I, I love emails and phone calls and conversations where many of you have said and shared about how, how your walk with God has grown and how your Bible time has changed and how this has happened. We've seen growth. Hey, I would say thank you on my behalf to say you have went through a rough patch of listening to me learn how to do some of these things. And I know some of that was dreadful, I am sure. I don't go back and listen to those sermons. But you've allowed me to grow. We've seen growth in different areas. 
I made reference to some financial things just to, at the beginning of the church service. And it's not really to, it's not a bragging, it's not a, any of those things. But God has allowed us at Oasis to be a part of different things. We're here in this facility of which none of us desired to be here. But I would say this, we've enabled ourselves to grow in the time that we've been here. We have members that have joined since being in this building. We've had guests that have come back since being in this building. We have members that are going to go through a new members class this Saturday in our home and walk through that that will join in membership yet again here in this facility. We've come together in a time. There's a group of people, some of which never served at all, that help set up and tear down every single week. There's people that never attended maybe a midweek service that are now in regular home Bible studies on a regular basis. We've seen a lot of different things in this time. And I'll be real honest, I cannot wait to see what God has in store for us when we go to our next building about a mile down the street. I am excited. I drive by it. Random occasions when everybody has gone from the workplace over there, I'll take my key and I'll go in just to see. Even though I know what took place the day, I'll go and see. I'm excited. But along with all of those things, I believe that we are in a place also that if we continue where we are, that this is what we will have. And I love where we are. I think we're, we're doing okay. God has been so good to us. But if we don't begin to intentionally reach people, we will be personally, I believe that we will be in a bad place. See, God told us to, to not to go and have really good churches. God told us to go and not make converts. God told us to go and make disciples of Christ. It is our job to go. It is our job to go and to share. And it is my job to encourage you in all of those things. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to look at some of just this, the 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 evangelistic side and i i we went through what was it 24 weeks in first timothy as verse by verse we we picked out every verse of of the book of first timothy which is very foundational church stuff and very practical but along with all of those things let me say this too i'm not saying that we're not doing anything we've done amazing things for the congregation that we have and the size of the church that we are we've done some pretty incredible things in our community from serving here to serving at Cowan to, to putting roughly $20,000 into a mission in Guatemala over the last couple of years to, to a number of things that we have been fortunate enough to be a part of. But if we don't begin to intentionally do some things, I believe that all of the growth that we're seeing and all the foundation that's being built will be stunted. You as an individual, I believe this with all my heart, you and I as individuals, if we are not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, are not fully growing in Christ. I really believe that. Now I say that, and then at the same time I can say, and shame on me that I've not done it enough. But as we get into this, this series over the next few weeks, it is my prayer that that we would take the gospel unashamedly and go forth. If I were to really kind of start this series or these next few weeks or the sermon with a question, it would be this question. 
Have you become numb to the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Have you become numb to the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Now, if I were to have you really answer and raise up your hands, most everybody in this room, would nobody would raise their hand. I've grown up in church. Jeremy and Shelby brought their baby here one week old, right? A week and a day or something, six, seven, eight days. That's about my life. That's all. This is all that I've ever known. If I were to be really honest, and praise the Lord, I thank God for my parents. If I were to be very honest with you, just as if I would expect or want you to be honest with me, many times in that time, I would sit in church, numb to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, because I've heard this before. Ashamedly, I say that. But my question is just that this morning. Have you become numb? Have we become numb to the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this. Does the gospel message still bring goosebumps when you open up God's word? Does God's word and the gospel message still bring tears to your eyes? Because so often we just get numb because we sit in a comfortable chair or an uncomfortable bench We sit. And I can drive three minutes down the street and I can get to church. And I can do this thing and I can do that thing. And things are comfortable and things are easy. So much so that we have become numb to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. One of the things that I've said recently multiple times is, is that if we don't grow in our understanding of theology, which is kind of the study of religion or the study of God in religion in our system, I guess you would say, in our study of and understanding of the gospel and the, the theology, we become, we, we, we know Christ better. I will stand here this morning and I'm going to open up with some theology You're not looking at a theologian. I will promise you that. There are men that have written incredible books. There are men that I've been fortunate enough to sit under some of them. I've read books. I've done things. I am by far no theologian. But if there's anything that I've grasped, really, I would say over the last year of my life and study of God's word as I prepared for messages and sermons, is that I need to better understand theology Not just so that I can teach it, but so that I can live my life better understanding who the God is that I serve. And this morning, I'm going to bring out something that we probably, I know I've mentioned it here and there, but I'm going to throw something out here this morning before I get into the text. But we today do not live under the Old Testament law. Yet we as a people... As a sinful and prideful people still live under law and legalism in most of our lives. And I'll explain that this morning. Some of you are going, there's not, this isn't a legalistic church. No, we're not a legalistic church. We're not, you know, you can look around. There's jeans and there's shorts and there's flip-flops and there's this and there's that. And I'm not going to tell you what to wear, what not. I'm not, that's not, we're not there. But that's not just what legalism is. I know in the Baptist culture, that's what we go to in many churches. It's just, this is a legalism. No, that's not. Here, legalism is me just abiding by a set of standards, and that is, my, that is what my regimen is. 
the Jew, the Old Testament, in the Jew, in the, in the law, they set themselves a standard and they, by the T, had to do all of those things. And most of us would say, well, that's foolish. We don't do that. No, we don't. But if I were to ask you this question, or maybe not you, if we were to go outside of these walls and we would say, hey, how do you get to heaven? What do we say? Not we. Most people say, I'm good. I am a good person. Our culture lives, though we don't say it, we live based on a set of standards and legalism, legalistic things. Hey, inside of this church, I know no one in here is going to be like, yes, I am a legalist. No, but you know the reality is many of us that sit in this room are legalistic in what we do because we serve in the nursery, not because our hearts are are broken to serve God. We serve in the nursery because we got to do something to make ourselves look okay. We walk in the doors and we have to do all of these things and we have to do all of these things and we have to do all of these things and our churches are full of legalistic people, though we're not legalistic We're not in love with Christ. We are in love with the idea of being in love with Christ and looking the good part. You say, well, stop right there. You just stepped on my toes and that hurts. That's the reality of our churches today. It looks really good for us to sit here. It looks really good and it sounds good when we sing and when we lift up our hands. But so many of us are still numb to the gospel message because we've heard this all so often. We've sung Amazing Grace our whole lives. We've sung these songs. And to the point that some of us are angry because the song that we just sung was an old song. But there was a new chorus in it. And it's like, well, wait, we can't do that. That's, no, do you, that is, that's our legalistic box. But no, we're not. That's how we, that's our churches today. This morning, you're like, that's not, this is not evangelistic. You're, this is not, we'll get there. The law, in fact, is not capable of leading one to righteousness, nor was it given to bring about righteousness. The law brings judgment. It confronts one with his incapacity to cope with sin. Just listen to that real quick. If you don't remember anything else, the law brings judgment. It confronts one with his incapacity to cope with sin. And as we look at this, we're going to look at the word justification here for just a few moments before I get into the passage. And I I have a reasoning for doing that. That term is a legal and a judicial term. So it's a legal and a judicial term. So just think of that. If we were to look at it this way, some of you may or may not know this name, but Ray Comfort is a is a gentleman who uh, he's done lots of stuff evangelistically. He has a website. He has all these different things. He goes out and he asks people, "Hey, what do you have to do to be to, to go to heaven? How good do you have to be?" And he kind of gives a good test. Well, Ray Comfort will take the Ten Commandments and he will say, "Thou shalt not lie." Right. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not lie. So he'll say, hey, have you ever told a lie? To which they would say what? Yes. And if you have told a lie, what does that make you? A liar. And he'll go to that one. He says, so, okay, you're a liar. Okay, great. You told me that. Okay. And then he'll say, it says thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen? Well, yeah. Some of you in this room would be like, no, I've never stolen anything. No, if, if you've taken something that is not yours, that is stealing. That's whether it's a pencil or a penny on the, you know, when you're at lunch table when you're a kid. Regardless, if that, if that is the case and you have stolen something, that makes you a thief. 
thief. So now we are a liar and you're a thief. And I'm not going to keep going forward. But basically he does this and he does that. The law does what? If I just state it, the law brings judgment. It confronts one with his incapacity to cope with sin. So now here it is. I have realized, I have recognized that I am a liar. I am a thief. I am, and we can go all the way down through the Ten Commandments. Look at all I am. Now, but what does it do? The law doesn't allow me to deal with sin. It just shows me that I'm a wicked, wicked person. Well, most of us in this room would recognize and you would say, well, according to that, if we were to look at God's word, in the beginning, God said that if they were to eat of that fruit, they would die. Well, judgment, according to God, it shows me that, okay, so I have flaws and that judgment to you and I is death. That is an eternal separation from God. Justification is has its forensic or judicial dimensions in that it copes with and represents salvation to the problem of sin and guilt. The believer, listen to this, is set free from condemnation. In the Gospels, we can look at it in Luke chapter 18. It's, you've got the Pharisee and the tax collector. They both went into the temple to pray. The Pharisee goes in and he's, he's praying how great that he is and how, oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like this. And thank you that I'm so superior and I'm so great. Then you have the tax collector. And we, we most know that story, but we have the tax collector. The tax collector comes in broken, falls upon his face and says, basically, God, I am worthless. I am unworthy. I am humbled. I am, I need your mercy. I need your grace. And God says that he leaves to go home justified. I'm going to read this. But Paul maintains that God justifies sinners on a just ground. Namely, that Jesus Christ, acting on their behalf, has satisfied the claims of God's law upon them. He was born under the law in order to fulfill the precept and bear the penalty of the law in their stead. By his blood, or his death, he put away their sins. By his obedience to God, he won for all his people the status of law keepers. He became obedient unto death. His life of righteousness culminated in his dying, the death of the unrighteous bearing the law's penal curse in this or in his person on the cross the sins of his people were judged and expiated through this one act of righteousness his sinless life and death the free gift came unto all men to justification of life thus believers become the righteousness of god in and through him who knew no sin personally but was representatively made sin. He was treated as a sinner and judged as a sinner in their place. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Christ Jesus, whom made, who, who made our righteousness. The basic self-consciousness of the justified person is that his right relationship with the living God has nothing to do with merit or achievement. It is from beginning to end a gift of infinite love. His own powerlessness is resolved in the power of the gospel in which God's saving work is revealed. This morning, there's really about 10 sermons in some of that introduction there. 
There's a lot that's there that I could expound on. I could go further, and I'll hit on justification in a little bit. But the reality is this for all of us. As we get into this passage this morning, one, the stuff that we're going to look at affects every single person in this room. Because you either sit here, you're condemned, or you've been justified. And based on that, we have a response to that. And as we go forward, I, I started here in this passage or in this, this, this series this morning because I felt personally that if I can look at what this is, look at who I was, look at who I am, and kind of remember some of that again, if it is my desire, if it's our desire at Oasis that we would be passionately in love with Christ, and maybe today you sit here and you're just kind of like, eh, I'm just kind of going through the motions, then maybe you needed to be brought back to the beginning. Maybe you needed to understand that, that you and I as individuals stand here, not as just people that have been pardoned, because there's a big difference between pardoned and set free and innocent. See, if you've been pardoned, that's still there. If you've been named innocent by the court, that is wiped away. See, if I'm justified, I have been set free. I am no longer condemned. I don't have to carry that weight. I don't have to carry that burden. See, when I'm pardoned, I still have to, I still carry that. Everywhere I go, that sits on my record. Every single place that I go. Hey, we sit here this morning and we are one or the other. We're either condemned, unsaved, lost, in need of a savior, or we're justified and we need to live as though we are justified. This morning, if you have your copy of God's Word, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll read the first 10 verses together, and we'll get into the points this morning. It says this in verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, Ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of your works it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father God, this morning I pray that you would use your word to pierce the hearts of those that sit here. I pray that we would recognize and understand that we must be more intentional in the things that we do in reaching other people. God, I pray that today we would leave challenged, that we would leave changed and encouraged 
to see people come to know you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point this morning is simple. It's alive from sin. Alive from sin. If we sit here this morning as believers, we are alive from our sin. I believe that we would, uh, if we truly believe this, we should probably live as if that were the case. I don't know how many sit here today that have experienced being literally brought back from the dead. Physically. Maybe you went to the hospital and you flatlined. If you've seen that, I don't, I don't know. But I, I think of this. If I was literally brought back from the dead and given a second chance... I don't know how you would live. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yep, I experienced that. God saved my life in a physical, literal way. I hope, and maybe I'm different or maybe I'm wrong, but I hope you would live a little bit differently. You would probably take a hold of life a little bit different and say, wow, this life, I, I, I was not expecting that. And God, thank you for bringing me out of that. And today, there's some things that need to change. It needs to be a little bit different. I ha- I- I- I've been brought back from life. I-, I think that maybe if we understood really where our sin is and what that is and-, and really what we came out of, maybe we would live a little bit differently. Romans says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 5 and verse 12, it says, For as by one man's sin entered into the world, so by sin death. If we look at this passage in chapter number 2, And you hath he quickened, hath he brought to life, were dead in trespasses and sins. If you sit here this morning... proclaiming and saying, you know what? Without a shadow of a doubt, I am a born-again believer in God. Our life should be lived as though we have been brought back from the dead. We shouldn't live just kind of, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I get there's different personalities in here. Some of your personalities, no one would understand if you're excited. Some of your personalities... People may think you're excited everywhere you go. I understand that. I'm probably, I'm kind of one of those ones, I'm like in the middle. I'm not the most expressive, like, crazy guy. There's a lot of times where I'm, many of you have been around, I'm kind of even keel. But the reality is this. We ought to live our lives as though we've been born again. We can't, you hath he quickened, you hath he brought to life, he raised up from the dead who were what? Dead in trespasses. We were dead in our sin. We were dead over here. We were chained. We were bound. We were stuck going nowhere. Literally, we were walking zombies. Our world is filled with real living walking zombies. They just don't know it. They don't even know it. 
Zombie apocalypse, that's like the new thing. Our government spends money looking under that stuff. That's a cry and shame right there. But anyway, our government spends money looking into the zombie apocalypse. Are you kidding me? But the reality is, there's people that are walking dead, and they don't even know it. Your neighbors are walking as dead people. They don't know it. Why? They're dead, it says, in their trespasses and their sins. And God has sent his son. And God has paid the penalty. And God has done something to what? To raise us up to life. To give us a new life. That we would live anew. And here's what our churches are. And here's so many times our believers are walking into the office. Oh, life is horrible. Oh, just go on Facebook for 10 minutes. You'll be encouraged. And you'll think the world has just came to an end. And half the people that you're reading are believers in Christ. Oh, I can't believe how bad I... Oh, Johnny had a stuffy nose today. I can't believe it. Life is so rough and we're so busy with everything. And, and, da, 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 and you, you look at it and you're like, oh my word. We ought not walk as dead people. We've been brought back to life. We ought to have a little bit of a, a giddy up in our step, I guess you could say. We ought to be, we, we were alive from sin. For some of you, it wasn't too long ago. For others of you, it's been years. But we were a dead people walking. Let me say this as I get into this, and I, I'm going to have to fly. I may actually end up having to cut this sermon in two. I don't know. We'll see. It says, you hath he quickened. And it says this, who were dead What is that little word there? In trespasses and sin. I'm going to say this and I'm going to kind of fly through here. But we were not dead because we had committed sins. We were dead because we were in trespasses and sin. Committing sinful acts does not make us sinners. We commit sinful acts because we are sinners. It is who we are. We are in sin. I say this all the time and I get blown away every time I I think about these things. God is not, God does, we look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. God doesn't have some love. God is love. It it, it is who he is. And we go through all those things. But for you and I, this is what's awesome. We are in sin. Woohoo! God is love. He is peace. He is joy. He is comfort. He is all of that. And we are in (laughs) sin. Take that with you and go. I was reading that, and I just thought, wow, we, com- we committing sinful acts does not make me a sinner. We commit sinful acts because we are sinners. Our trespasses to slip, to fall, to stumble, to deviate, to go in the wrong direction is what that word means. Relational goodness, let me say this right, relational goodness is helpful to other people. And is more pleasing. It is a step in the right direction. But a hundred thousand such steps cannot bring a person any nearer to God. Because it is a sinner's condition of sinfulness. And not his particular sins that separate him from God. His particular acts of goodness cannot reconcile him to God. This verse doesn't go on to say 
all of the wickedness of sins, but it says that in those sins, we were deadened. And that here's what's awesome. If we keep reading, you hath he quickened, you brought back to life. We were in trespasses and sin, wherein time passed, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the... And it says, and among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And if we were to go just one verse later in two words, it says this, but God. There's many people that walk their life and they don't recognize that there's a but God. That's where your life and my life should step in. That's where it is our job, it is our duty to then step in. See, God works today through you and through me. As much as we may look at it and go, man, that's a, that's a mess. I say it all the time. God, what in the world? What were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking that you would choose me to be any form of an ambassador for you. But God chooses you and me to be just that. See, God made the way. He bridged a gap. He brought all of these things so that there can be a reconciliation. So that the uh, offended offers forgiveness And that is through Jesus Christ. God has offered forgiveness. In His love and in mercy, He has provided a way that though we have offended and though we have done wicked and vile and nasty and heinous things, He has provided a way of forgiveness as the offended one. It's always amazing to me that God knows, but yet in my sinfulness, Christ died for me. That yet in my wickedness, Christ loved me. And that He wants to make me justified. He wants to make me free. He wants to declare me free and declare me as righteous. That blows my mind. That He desires that I would be free. So we're alive from sin. And, and the second point is we are alive, this is really simple, to live. We are alive to live. It says in 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, hath brought us to life together with Christ by grace ye are saved. We were again dead in sin and he quickened us. He made us alive. He brought us back to life in his resurrection, gave us a new life in him. In sin, we couldn't understand the things of Christ. But when he gave us a new life, we could then walk anew with him, beginning to understand spiritual things and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to give us living power every moment of every day. I am no longer, as it says in 2, dead in trespasses and sin. 
I don't have to live bound up. I don't have to live shackled up. I don't have to live that way. Why? He paid all of that. He covered all that. He set me free is what it says. When I came to know him, I was justified. I was set free. I was me standing before the court and the judge was standing there. The jury was standing there. The jury says, judge, we have a verdict. This man is innocent on all counts. Innocent on all counts. He is set free. I'm alive from sin. I am alive to live. Listen, you've been set free. Why live in shackles and in bonds? Go. Go do something. Hey, you know what? You don't need me to read your Bible to grow. The Holy Spirit's in you. I want to encourage you. Our teachers want to encourage your children. And as our, we do our small groups and things, we try to encourage you. And we, we want to do all of those things. And we try to provide things. But it's not me. I'm not the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Go. Live that life. We are alive to live. I am alive. If we go to John, John says eternal life is what? Eternal life is to know Him. That's amazing. We can live that here by knowing him today, by growing in him today. We're alive to live. We are alive for a reason in verses 6 and 7. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We were brought back to life and given a reason to live. That reason is to know him that we might be raised with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. John eleven forty four says there Jesus to Lazarus who was raised or who was dead. Jesus says, Loose him and let him go. Unbind him. I've said this, I don't know how many times today. We were dead in sins and trespasses. We were bound in sin. And Jesus makes us alive and says, unbind him. Again, what was Lazarus? He was in a tomb. He was bound in all of the grave clothes. He was basically, as a mummy, he was dead. God said, unbind him. Walk, Lazarus, come forth. Just as he has for those of you that know Christ is saved. Those living can't function in the wrappings they need unwrapped. We've been unloosened. God has said, come. We should live in that for that reason, to know him. In order and that the age to come. That is for all of eternity. In the age to come, we will be able to, to fully be aware of his grace and kindness. If we were to really go into a deep study of this passage, which I did not do for for this morning, that speaks there in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's not just something, just on on a really short point here. That's not just something that one day we will get to go to heaven and we will get to know him. As I walk with him and as I am in tune with him, I become more aware of him. And in that heavenly area, with me dwelling with the Holy Spirit, walking and talking, you can have that here today. That, that heavenly place is not like I'm in heaven with God. That is me in tune with God here on earth. We can have that. It's literally kind of 
in, in a short answer there. But that we would be alive for a reason to know Him. That we would be alive through faith, it says in 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Our response to Him is through faith. Period. He has given us grace, but our response is to accept the grace is done, that the grace is done in faith. We respond in faith. Faith that what he has said and what he has done is what was needed. Faith is enough. God, I'm trusting you and you alone. I'll say this. And just a simple illustration. When a person chokes or drowns or stops breathing, there's nothing that he can do. If he ever, ever breathes again, it will be because someone else starts him breathing. A spiritually dead person cannot make a decision of faith unless God first breathes into him the breath of spiritual life. Faith is simply breathing the breath God's grace supplies. God loved you first. God gave you a desire to worship Him. It's already there. Well, I have the faith to step out and do that. And it says, alive unto good works, in verse number 10, that for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, I... I I know I kind of flew through some of these passages of Scripture, this passage here. In 9 it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because we can't, we can't claim salvation because of what we've done. But, but yet God says in verse 10, that we are His workmanship created in Christ unto. Listen, as we come to know Christ, as we walk this walk and as we follow Him, it is our desire to serve Him. And in serving Him, we are living unto good works that He has created in us. Let me just say this this morning, and I know it's actually a little bit longer than the sermons I've been doing lately. As we look at this passage of Scripture and as we look at this sermon series, City on a Hill, we look at justification that we have been legally made in good standing. That you and I can legally stand before God and that God would say he is okay his name has been written down I don't know if it makes any difference to you as a as a person this morning but it helps me to recognize in my life Where I stand with God. Because I'm not just pardoned. I have been set free. You don't carry. I don't carry the sin and the weight that I've already given to him. I am no longer, it says, no longer condemned. If I was still condemned and it was up to me and it was any of those things, then I would be pardoned. And I would still hold all of that baggage. But I have been set free. To know that I have been set free means a lot to me as I've studied this thing. To know where I stand has helped me. 
But not only looking at that, if I am alive in Christ, then my life should live and be alive. I don't need to dwell in those things. And, and as that stands and as that happens and as I, as I walk and as I talk and as I grow and as I begin to understand, my desire is not that I would do something, but that I need to tell somebody else. If I am growing in Christ, I should be sharing with others. If you want to grow in Christ, listen, I'm glad that you give. I'm glad that you serve. I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad that you do all of those things. But we have to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ in every area of our lives. The greatest thing, I'm, I, I, I feel like I say this all the time, the greatest conviction and thing that has ever happened to me in the last probably five years of my life is I was deeply, deeply challenged to change the way that I live in my home around my neighborhood. I met a gentleman who will be here in November and he'll share his story. And I, I tell you all the time, but he challenged me to reach and to know the people in my neighborhood. The last six months or so, it has been our goal to love on people in our neighborhood. For the first time last night, one of those couples came to our house to have dinner. You know what? I didn't share the gospel with them. My son did. No, I'm just kidding. We were in the middle of conversation right when they walked in the door. My dad's a preacher. (laughs) Thank you, son. But you know what? I don't know if Brian, is it Elena? She's from the Ukraine, so her name is really different. I don't know if they'll ever come to know Christ. But what I can know is that I have done everything in my power to pray for them, to love on them, and to reach out to them. I don't know if Al across the street will ever come to know Christ. But I know that I'll have done everything in my power to love on Al. And then when his garage door opens and I'm outside, I don't just turn and walk in, but I walk up to that driveway and I ask Al how he's doing. And I encourage Al after he's had his two knee replacement surgeries and I let him know, hey, if you need something, you let me know. I have been so convicted of going in my house and shutting my doors. I've got to love my neighbors. You know what some of that or all of that really stems from? The more I fall in love with Him, the more I have a passion to be like Christ. The more that I grow, it is natural that I want to tell. Church, I really, really believe that God is doing great things at Oasis Baptist Church. I really believe that. I don't just say that because this is my job. I don't just say that for all of those reasons. I believe with all my heart that God is doing something really neat here at Oasis. I also believe that we, starting with me, have got to go beyond the walls of this place and do something. 
We have to. A sign on a building won't get them in. Just hoping that somebody walks in our doors won't just that. Hey, people walk and come to know Christ through that. We've had that. But most people are going to come to know Christ because you and I have walked out of our doors intentionally trying and seeking to make a difference in others' lives. This morning, I don't know if this was the perfect sermon, the right sermon, the wrong sermon, but I pray that you leave today, one, knowing that if you know Christ as Savior, you've been set free. You are justified. That is 100% innocent. You're not just pardoned carrying that weight. And if you sit here this morning, I hope that you would have taken some of what was said and know that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who sent His only begotten Son because in our sins and in our trespasses, we are condemned, but He took care of all of that penalty because He loved you. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.